You're listening to a podcast presented by Providencia West Palm Beach, a church that exists for the flourishing of all people located in the city center of West Palm Beach, Florida. Our hope is to love our city, listen to your story, and practice the grace of God. We hope you enjoy this content. If you haven't already, please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and leave us a review. Thanks for tuning in. Enjoy the episode. A quick note just to say that during the recording of this episode, there's a buzz in the audio that you'll hear throughout the sermon. This is a technical error that we're working to resolve for future sermons. We hope you'll excuse it and that you enjoy the rest of the episode. You can be seated. Um, We have a special guest preacher tonight, and my friend here, Sarah Claire, is going to introduce her and tell you a little bit about her. Hello, friends. Um, I'm Sarah Claire. If I don't know you, I um, am delighted to have this space to share with you tonight. Um, I'm on staff here as our soul care director, and in my absence in the last two months, uh, we have had the gift and the privilege and the honor of welcoming Kristen McWilliams, who's going to preach for us tonight. Um, And man, oh man. Um, And it is a gift and an honor and a privilege for me to introduce her. And I also want to acknowledge it's a very thin space. So when when there are thin spaces, my emotions come to the surface. So I'm going to acknowledge that first off, so maybe they'll like stay back in my eyeballs. But also we celebrate tears here, but um, it really is an honor and a privilege to introduce you tonight and to be here with you all and to be here with Kristen. Um, I hope that you have, if you haven't in the last few few weeks um, been able to sit with Kristen in a coaching capacity, I still encourage you to be able to do that. You can. She still has her coaching business. She's still giving that gift to the world through her soul and seasons coaching. So um, even if she's, she's going to be kind of transitioning out next week or the week after next, um, but please, you know, get her number because um, it, it's a great gift that she gives us in um, the coaching space. Kristen has been in ministry since I met her when she was like a mere and wise 13 years old. So this woman has um, been consistent in the movement towards uh, the desire for other people to understand that God loves them. And that is a beautiful thing when someone, see, here it is, Um, when someone has the purpose and the clarity about their life that like just kind of continues. And that is, uh, that is, that is in the home of Kristen McWilliams and her body. And she gives it so beautifully through hospitality, through humor, through creating space for listening and empathy. And I could go on and on, but this is not my time. So um, that is, those are the things I wanted to, uh, to say and to welcome you with. And the other little thing I just wanted to say is it is a comfort. And I don't know if you experience this in your life, but when you know someone whose heart beats in a similar rhythm about similar things in this world, um, it's a comfort. And that is, that is for Kristen, for me, and not even for me, but for our church. She has been a prayerful supporter um, of our church from kind of its inception. Um, so that is a beautiful thing. And even though she kind of lives north a little bit, the heartbeat is the same. So um, with that, I'm going to welcome her in a second, but I'm going to read the scripture. Do you want to come up here now or later? Okay. Um, great. So uh, I love you. <laughs> I made it. 
Okay. Um, so I'm going to read our scripture. And as always, I invite you to uh, welcome the scripture as fresh and new and allow your imagination to be stirred, maybe to hear it like you're hearing it for the first time. And this particular scripture is very, um, it's a scene, you guys, like it is a scene. So I invite your emotions and your imagination and your body even to be welcome into the reading of this scripture. So we are in John 20, 19 through 31. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands, and put my fingers where the nails were, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here, see my hands, reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God, then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, in you, by believing you may have life in his name. This is the word of the Lord. I feel like with the worship, the prayer, Sarah Claire's welcome and reading of scripture, the confession and assurance, I feel like, man, my soul is cared for. Like, I'm ready. Let's just see ya. Let's go to civil. Um, maybe we should do that. But I am truly, truly honored and thrilled to be sharing this space with you tonight. Some of you have had the distinct privilege of sharing space and coaching. Some of you have had the distinct privilege in sharing space for coffee and a conversation. And some of you I'm now getting to share space with. And it's just a privilege. It's the word that keeps coming to mind. In the past couple of months of being more physically connected to this community, I've had this great time of being able to observe and ask a lot of questions and to just see all of you. Something that's really important to me that you may or may not know, but actually Sarah Claire happened to mention it, is that I love hospitality. It's just one of the things that causes my heart to beat. 
I see the importance of it in all capacities. And I think that when we, the church, can be hospitable, it makes a place for honest conversations and for safety. For some people, that's not been their journey with the church. And I'm sorry, that makes me sad. I know I've had even my own moments. But something I really appreciate about all of you is that even though it's not perfect because none of us are, there is this heart for hospitality. There is this desire for connecting to each other and creating spaces for that to happen. In my own home, if somebody comes for a party or, I don't know, lip sync battles or bingo night or whatever the random thing is that we've concocted up, one of my favorite games is somebody walking through the door and being like, they want an old fashioned or they want a hot cup of coffee or like they want a cool Perrier, have LaCroix, but they're, they're gonna get that Perrier. And if I can like match the drink to the hand, I feel like it's gonna be a good night. Sometimes I have that gift, sometimes I don't. I don't know all of you well enough to know what drink would make you feel welcomed in this space. And I'm not gonna try and guess. But my hope and my prayer in really just thinking about this beautiful scene from John 20 would be that it would feel like that cool drink of water if it's been a hot day for you, or a hot cup of cocoa if it's been a cool day for you. That whatever is talked about tonight, that the presence of the living God would make it something for you that you could consume. Spirit, would you do that now? One of my other really favorite things about hospitality is when you can like do some sort of thing and experience and then just kind of step back and watch and see how the person or the people interact with it. And so tonight, from time to time, I'm going to set up some particular scene from John 20, and then I'm going to step back and give you some space to interact with it. Because this is beautiful, and I'm excited that we get to interact with it together. Before we dive into where Sarah Claire read, just a couple of reminders, and Drew even spoke to them in confession. Up before this point, in the season of Lent, we were reading through different stories of Jesus walking with his disciples or his friends or the people who started orienting their lives to him. They would walk and they would have these journeys together where they would travel and they would eat, some of my favorite things, and they would listen to him teach and watch him interact with someone with compassion to see the person who was far out and invite them in. And so these followers were just orienting their life and their beliefs towards Jesus. Beautiful moments. I imagine that in those spaces, even though maybe it was confusing from times of like, wow, how did that happen? That was amazing. To be able to walk with Jesus and see him, I imagine there was just this sense of, oh, I don't know at all, but I feel like I'm home. And then as we reflect on Good Friday, or reflected on Good Friday, Jesus goes to the cross. And he's nailed there. And I think about these friends that have walked with him, the way that they have 
been with him and how everything about them were getting oriented towards him. And then they see this brutal scene, heartbreak. And as Drew mentioned, people scattering, except the women. I liked that. People scattering. And so then we pick up with this scene that Sarah Claire so beautifully read tonight. And he, as the risen God, has already interacted with Mary Magdalene at the tomb and is now coming to this place where the disciples are. This place of, I imagine, disorientation. Why do I think that they were disoriented? I know for me, in my life, when I've experienced grief or trauma, whether it be capital letter T or lowercase t, I feel disoriented. It's like when you take that really cruddy 20-minute nap and you wake up and you're like, what is happening? Where am I? It's this sense of nothing makes sense and I don't really know where I am or who I am. And if you've experienced loss or pain or trauma or grief, which I imagine that unfortunately we all have, maybe you know what it's like to be disoriented. I also imagine that they're disoriented based on what happens with the group that is talked about first and then Thomas, the group. They're locked away together for fear of what's happening with the religious leaders. The religious leaders are worked up, they're mad because Jesus has made all these claims about himself and if he is the risen Christ, then there's a lot there. And so they're locked away together. Maybe they're together because they know the power of coming together when we're grieving. Maybe they're together because they really don't know what else to do. Maybe they're together because that's just kind of a part of their rhythm. We don't really get a clear picture into that, but they're there, door locked in fear. For me, a lot of times, being disoriented, especially by grief and pain and things not looking how I thought they would, can cause me to lock myself away in fear. So what happens? Jesus steps into that. He comes into the situation where they are, and he says, peace be with you. Something that he would have commonly said and and points back to the Old Testament, which was even pointing back to him as the risen savior. He says it again, peace be with you. For a moment, let's just allow ourselves to be in that space. The disciples are together in fear. Jesus is there. He says this greeting that he would normally says, but then he says it again and he invites them into peace. What would that peace feel like in our own bodies right now? Because that same invitation is given to us as a group right now. Thankfully, our doors are not locked, but maybe, just maybe, some of us are feeling a little afraid. Peace he gives to you.
And then he has this moment where he says that he breathes on him, breathes on them, and encourages them to be sent. This breath, this living breath of the risen and wounded Savior who is right there with them, giving that freshness to their bodies that maybe they didn't even know that they craved. That breath. And he says, look, it's me. See what's going on. Sometimes in my, like, musical version of the Bible, it's like, hey, here's my hand. And he does, like, a little jazz hand and a little tap dance type of thing. But that's because my brain gets real weird and squirrely, and maybe yours does too. That's that version. In the actual version, though, he says, look. And he breathes the breath of life, the same breath that caused the stars to be placed in the sky and mountains to form and deep oceans to be set that we get to dive into. And that breath was given to them. And from there, we continue reading in John and then as the church continues to develop, that this group of people going from complete I imagine disorientation are now reorienting their lives to the risen and present and wounded king. And they continue a journey that was not easy, but has really led to us being here. Their work went out around the world to plant churches and to encourage people because their belief was reoriented. And then there's Thomas. Gosh, I like him. Like, I just, I feel like I get him. Thomas, as Sarah Claire read in the passage, was not there when Jesus first appeared, where there was the peace and the peace and the breath and the sending and the seeing. He wasn't there. Sometimes I wonder, is he an introvert like me? Did he just need some space from people for a little bit to recharge? Was he impacted by the grief and the trauma in a different way? And so he didn't want to be with everyone? Maybe he just was sick that night. Was he wrestling with things? For just a second, would you let your imagination go there and wonder, I wasn't Thomas there. We don't really get the answer, but what I think is interesting is his response when he realized he missed something. So he comes back to where the disciples are, and the disciples are like, we saw the Lord. And I can imagine that they went from this place of despair to hope, and they're like just feeling the things again, the peace and the feeling at home and the joy, I imagine. But then Thomas had missed it. And Thomas says, unless I see the marks, unless I can feel them, I will not believe. And if Thomas were sitting in front of me in a coaching space, that'd be the moment I would say, uh-huh, tell me more. I really, it's like, oh, there's something there. Because often we don't just 
react like that unless there's something more going on. So what was going on? Did he feel ashamed that he wasn't there? So then from his shame to cover it up was doubt? Maybe. Was he just so gosh darn angry that he could use doubt to cover that? Maybe. Had he already been wrestling with his anger by himself, so instead it was the sadness that's usually deeper than our anger, and the sadness led him to say, I just don't know what I believe anymore. And unless I see these things, I can't do it. Maybe. But he says these things, and time passes, and once again, Jesus appears in their midst. And this time, Thomas is there. And I don't know what changed from the last time to this time, but for whatever reason, he's there. Maybe even just the power of like speaking out loud what was going on in him gave him the courage to come back. I don't know. I'm imagining. Maybe you are too. But he's there. Jesus offers this kind invitation. Reach out. See Peace be with you. Do not doubt, but believe. I think it's really beautiful to see just who Jesus is in this moment. Us as the reader, we know so much that's happened before and happens after, but if we can just kind of hone into this specific moment. Jesus is seeing Thomas. He already knows what his doubts are. He knows what his wounds are, and he's saying, I see them, I know them, I love you, and I'm wounded too. And here I am before you, inviting you to more. Instead of doubting, believe. There's something about belief. It's like if we believe that exercise is good for our bodies, we're going to move them. If we believe that music is stirring, we're going to listen to it. If we believe that art is powerful, we'll create it, and so forth and so on. Belief is this amazing force, and so Jesus is inviting Thomas and inviting us to belief, and not just belief in some pie-in-the-sky concept where everything is just fine and dandy, but instead, belief that Jesus is who he says he is, that he is with us, and that he loves us. Belief that the wounded and risen God of the universe, who breathed life into existence the first time and breathes it into us once again, wanted him, wanted Thomas to be near him. And here's what's beautiful is that that invitation does not just stop with Thomas, it's also for us. This invitation to draw near, to let the breath of Christ fill us, to bring the things that we're doubting and to bring the things that we're like, I just don't know anymore. I'm sad or I'm angry or I'm frustrated or I can't figure out the answers. He knows. I've believed and oriented my life towards Jesus for a long time, and it's been very rocky at points. It's hard sometimes to believe. 
But I will say that every time I start to get into this place of disorientation, I'm like, I just can't do it anymore. Seeing this Jesus, the truth of who he is, pulls me in and gives me something to hold on to. And sometimes even I find that I'm ashamed to admit that I'm disoriented. I know better. Like, I know the power in being able to admit these things, but sometimes I'm ashamed for that. And I love that Jesus gives space to be like, I already know. I see you, and I'm here. Ben has an image for us that's going to go up on the screen. Jesus' wounded hands, understanding the pain of disorientation reigning on us, but being able to have life grow up out of it. Now, Scott, the painter, I don't even know his last name, Erickson, I think, painted this, so I don't know what his actual intention is for this painting. You can Instagram him. He seems lovely. And ask him, but in my mind, coming to Jesus, the wounded and risen Christ, is saying, I'm disoriented, I have pain, and it has been raining down on me. But I don't have to run from you because you know it and you can grow life from it. This is gonna be where I give one more invitation, a space for you to experience, where I just step back. And it's going to also lead us into communion. When Thomas interacted with Jesus, after he brought his disorientation and Jesus gave him this kind invitation, his response was, my Lord and my God. You see, Thomas was realizing who Jesus was and who he was to him, or at least that's how I interpret it. So as we get ready for communion, I'm gonna just give a little space for you to ask yourself, who is Jesus? And who is he to me? And my encouragement is that you would be honest because whatever it is, you're safe here and you're welcome here and you are loved. But I think it's in that honesty that we can feel the growth and the breath and the life flourishing. Who is he? And who is he to you? In just a moment, Keith is gonna come up but I'm gonna pray for us. Jesus, I confess that I doubt and that I'm often disoriented from pain and loss in life. Thank you that I can be reoriented in you. Thank you that that kind invitation is for all of us Instead of us being afraid of the things that cause us to doubt, help us to be courageous and bring them back into the community that exists in this place and back to you. Because both you and community bring us this joy and peace in the midst of hard things. We love you. You hear me pray? Amen.
Thanks for joining us for this episode. The work we do is made possible by your partnership and generosity. If you enjoyed the content and would like to support our work, please visit ProvidenciaWPB.org and click on the Give link. The music you hear in the beginning and end of our show was written, produced, and recorded by our music collective, Paradise Hymns. Find their original songs wherever you stream music. Thanks again, and have a blessed day.